Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong, are forgiven. You were dead. He breathed into your lungs the breath of eternal life and he resurrected you. It is by grace. Now, now, right now, you confess and believe. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. My name is Matt Hensley, and I'm the pastor of Mayhill Baptist Church and the managing editor of Lifeway Pastors, and I'm joined by Kyle Bierman, pastor of First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, New Mexico, director of Replanter Development for the North American Mission Board. And together, we bring 33 years of ministry experience. And you know, in those 33 years, what you did not learn how to do? Plug plug in the headphones in the Yeti so that we can actually hear you. There's a lot of things I didn't learn how to do. That's one of them. Um, But we we are glad to be back by this uh, podcast sponsored by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, the crown jewel of Southern Baptist seminaries. I still don't quite know exactly what that means, but I think it sounds awesome and we have the best barbecue. Uh, But God is doing a great work there in Fort Worth and would love for you to visit swibbits.edu after the show again, that is swbts.edu after the show. Kyle, you take this time to introduce our guest. All right, we are joined today by Pastor Chad Keck from Ohio. And uh, so, uh, Matt, yeah, we're, we're glad to have Chad uh, on the show with us today. Chad, welcome. Tell us about yourself and about your family and about your ministry and well, all those things. Yeah, it's great to be on the show with you guys. Well, uh, like you said, my name's Chad, and I pastor at First Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio, which is a suburb of Dayton. And I have been there about nine years. I have a wife. We've been married 18 years. Her name's Candace. And four kids who are 15, 12, 9, and 8. So we have a, a lot of fun at our house. And uh, in addition to that, right now I'm in Nashville serving as a trustee at Lifeway, which is a lot of fun and super excited about the future there. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that in a little bit. But um, I, just, uh, I just love what God's c- called me to do. I love pastoring and I love, uh, uh, love serving in ministry. Wonderful, man. We are glad to have you on the show. I've had the privilege of getting to know you over the last couple of weeks and months uh, on social media. And there are obviously times that I'm sure all three of us would rather delete every single one of our, um, our accounts at some point. But occasionally, there are blessings that come alongside. And one of those has been getting to know you and your heart uh, for your church, your family, uh, and fellow pastors that we the three of us have that as a as a heartbeat of uh, of serving our local church, loving our family, but also loving on and, and encouraging and, and equipping fellow uh, pastors in the trenches. And and uh, so it's good to get to hear your heart uh, this uh, this afternoon or or morning or whatever time you're listening in uh, on the uh, the downloaded podcast wherever you get them. Uh, now, Chad, I have a question. Okay. Um, you know, we, we dive into deep theological, uh, um, topics on this show, you know, a lot of times soteriology, eschatology, um, what's that critical, uh, rambunctious something, whatever that thing is like, we, we talk a lot of that kind of stuff. So we have a very deep question to ask you first off, 
is off the top of your head, how many times has somebody said to you, Keck, yes? Uh, several, several. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't think I was going to be the first, but uh, when, when uh, Kyle uh, was setting this up a moment ago, I said, Keck, yes. And I, I just had to know, has anybody ever said that to you? I figured, figured never. You know, I'm just so brilliant that I came up with that. You know, at least you did not go back to the Florida recount and start calling me like Hanging Chad or Sweet Because uh, oh, that uh, was probably the worst couple of months of having that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow, tw- 20 years later, that, that's, a, that's a vivid memory, is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I still remember those pictures of them holding them up. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, holding Chad Keck up in the air. There was anything uh, to be made, I, I received it. Yeah. As, as they looked at a hanging chat and thought, what the keck, right? That was the <laughs> swinging chat. I'm not sure what that was, but I'm not swinging at all. So. Oh, so, so since you're in Nashville, let's, uh, let's hear what, what's going on there. You, uh, you shared you are a uh, trustee with Lifeway. And uh, so, so I guess that, that means you're, you're my boss too. Um, oh, I have so many things to tell yeah. you. So, so many things. See, We're going to mute I'm his mic. Boss. See, the way it works is I'm only part of a group that's Ben Mandrell's boss, and oh. Ben is your boss. So, so, so they're your boss's boss. Trustees. And You're I'm, boss's boss. Yeah. I believe this is true of all of our trustees. The trustees only have oversight over the president, and then the president has responsibility for all of the staff. So technically I'm not your boss. I'm just your boss's oh. boss. Well, then I don't have to impress you anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, so tell us what's happening at, uh, in, in Nashville today. You're out for a walk. I, I assume it's beautiful weather, hopefully. And, and, uh, but what are you doing up there? It is. So we have two days of trustee meetings. We officially started today. I had a meeting early this morning because I'm on one of the committees that met this morning. Then I had a little break and then we'll launch back in tonight. But I'm looking forward to hearing from our new president, Ben Mandrell, as he kind of sets a, a new course of uh, charts, a new way for LifeWay to, to really connect with our churches, with our pastors, with uh, our customers, and uh, provide uh, biblical solutions that will help them grow their ministry and, and grow closer to God. And that's really what we're, what we're trying to help, uh, you know, facilitate. Now, is this, this is his first trustee meeting at, since he became life, this uh, is president. His second trustee meeting. The okay. first one, he had only been here a couple of months and okay. it was like deer in the headlights, but uh, tonight, he's going to be sharing some of the vision about what he's been accomplishing, what they've been working on the last couple of months. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so it's going to be a good meeting. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so one of the things we focus on here on the podcast is uh, church revitalization, church replanting. That's both where we are um, in, in both of our churches. And so tell us a little bit about uh, First Baptist Kettering and, and your story there. So First Baptist Kettering has been a great church in our association for many years. Uh, we are um, about 63 years old, and uh, along with most of the churches in Ohio, there's not very many older than that. Most of them were um, planted in the 50s and 60s, and so um, that's kind of where we fall. I came there nine years ago. The church had kind of gone through a rough patch. They had... Um, they had had some good times where they had grown a lot and they decided to relocate, and which was uh, basically to move across town and uh, buy land and rebuild and move the whole campus. And so they had been in their new facility for a couple of years. They owed a lot of money on it. The economy bottomed out, if you remember, um, you know, about 10, 12 years ago. 
And so they were left without a pastor in a large amount of debt and just struggling to figure out who they were and what God had called them to do. And they had this beautiful building and 75 acres of land and no mission, no vision, and just a lot of, a lot of issues that had been left over from some of the previous things that had happened. So I kind of came into a place that was quite unhealthy. They had gone from about 650 in attendance to about 350, 375, which is not good when you're trying to pay down debt. Um, yeah. so you need more people to pay it down, not less people. So they were really struggling. And uh, I came in and, and uh, just, you know, God brought me there. There's no reason, there's no reason, there was no reason to go. Uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I was in a great church in Florida, serving as an executive pastor. Our family was happy. Uh, the weather was beautiful. We lived five miles from the beach, and God called us to ru the Rust Belt. And uh, I always say it's kind of a, a mean joke because we moved in December. And I remember standing out of my yard in Florida in December. I was wearing flip-flops, shorts, and a t-shirt. It was 78 degrees in the middle <laughs> of December. When the moving van unloaded in Dayton, uh, it was like six degrees and snowing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. What have you done to me? Uh, but, but it was God's hand on it the whole way. We could, we knew God was calling us there. We knew it was going to be hard work. Uh, it was going to be a revitalization. And uh, we just jumped in and started after it. We didn't have any money. So I tell people, you know, when you don't have any money, the best thing you can do, and even if you have money, the best thing you can do is just pray. So we really developed a prayer ministry there, just asking for God to turn our hearts, turn our minds. Um, outward because we had become real inward focused as a church, which is what happens when you owe a lot of money and there's friction and dissension as people get upset about what everybody else is doing and they forget they got neighbors that are lost and they forget they have neighbors that need to need to be uh, ministered to. And so we just prayed and asked God to turn our hearts outward. And um, thankfully and graciously, he heard that prayer. And over the last nine years, we've been able to, um, to grow and to sustain our budget and to uh, pay down a lot of that debt. And so uh, we're running close to 800, 825 right now uh, from 350, 375 and nine years ago. So it's been real steady growth. But the exciting part about it, it's been a lot of families, it's been a lot of younger people, a lot of young kids. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to watch. And uh, then about a year ago, we had opportunity to uh, merge with another church and to replant uh, a campus of FBC Kettering there at their old facility. They had gotten down to about 30 people we're struggling. And so we just said, Hey, why don't you merge with us, merge with us. We'll replant in your facility. And uh, so we started with their 30 and we asked 50 of our people to go over and be part of that launch team. And so we started with about 80 there. And I think this past week they ran like 150, 155. Wow. So they pretty much doubled in the last eight, nine months. So had 12 baptisms there already. So it's been, wow. it's been fantastic. So excited about what guys doing. So, so one of the things that we have not talked about a lot, just because of, of the uh, situation where we are, um, are, are larger churches that are still in need of, of revitalization. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so we, we both serve in normative size churches, which are under, under 250, by, is that kind of definition. Um, and so we've both seen now our, our churches thankfully grow to, uh, we're about the, around the, the 100 mark now. Matt, I think you're like closer to the 150. Um, on a regular basis. So, so talk us through, what does that look like when, when you still come into a church that's, that's pushing 400, um, which is at least out here in New Mexico, that that's a big church um, yeah. still. Big church so, right. So, so what is that conversation like when, when you came in there and, and even though they're still, still the attendance is still up, 
what is that, what was that conversation like to say, hey, you know, there, there's some issues here that we need to address to become healthy? Well, you know, to me, I don't, when I think about revitalization, I don't necessarily think about attendance or, okay. or numbers per se. Yeah. I think about the spiritual condition. I think about the mission of the church. Hmm. Are we accomplishing what God has planted us here to do? And you can do that with 50 people, or you can do that with 500 people or 5,000 people. Hmm. Um, but if the church has turned inward and we're not fulfilling what God has called us to do as the body of Christ, then we need to be revitalized, right? And we need new life. We need new energy. We need new focus. And, you know, again, that can happen in churches of any size. I think it's, it's sometimes easier to spot when you see a drastic attendance decrease. You know, when, when you go from 700 to 350, people recognize there's problems yeah. um, a lot quicker. When your budget drops by a half a million dollars, people say, oh, there's a problem here. Um, but I don't think it's certainly not limited to attendance or budgets or things like that. I, I, obviously, they knew it. They, they could see the numbers on the sheet of paper. They understood that if something doesn't change here, we're not going to be able to pay our, our building payments. Something has to be different. And, you know, at first, it, a lot of the conversation that they were having with me, even as a candidate, is what are you going to do to, uh, to get people to give more to this <laughs> budget? And I kept saying, look, we're not going to outgive this. There's no way that this church is going to outgive a $9.7 million debt um, on a, I think they had about a 1.2 or $1.3 million budget. So about 60% of our budget was going to debt payments, which is not sustainable. But I kept saying, look, there's no more money. You guys have tapped that out with the people that are here. Uh, what we're going to have to do is reach new people. We're going to have to reach into our neighborhood. We're going to have to share Christ with people. We're going to have to disciple people. And we're going to have to teach them that, that, you know, Bible-believing Christians are generous people. And uh, so that's kind of what we focused on. I said, we're not going to worry about the debt right now. We're just we're going to pay our payment. We're going to, you know, do what we're supposed to do. But we're going to focus on reaching our neighbors. We're going to focus on uh, preaching the gospel. We're going to focus on evangelizing those in our workplaces, in our schools, uh, in our community. And so that's really what we did. Was we, we really tried to focus our revitalization on turning the eyes and hearts of our people outward instead of inward. That's good. And I, I would assume along the way of being in a church that uh, you had the debt, you had the, uh, as you talked about, some of the now number downturn and, and the inward focus and so forth, uh, that in Ohio, um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a little bit different than the Bible Belt. It's very different than the Bible Belt. A little Belt. bit different, just yeah. a little bit different than the Bible Belt. And so you, I assume, are going to have different relationships with other pastors and so forth. And, and I, I mean, just from the outside, knowing that, that the terrain is going to be a little bit different, uh, that up there, um, it might be very easy, easy to be isolated um, as, a, as a pastor. Um, how, how is, how's kind of the terrain up there? Is it easy to be isolated from church to church? You know, it can. Um, I've, I've been blessed. I have a lot of great relationships with other pastors in our city. Um, there are quite a few uh, Baptist churches in our city. Um, so, you know, at various degrees of health, some are not healthy, some are, are doing fine. Um, but I have a lot of great friends. So I, I don't feel isolated as much. Um, one of the things that's unique about Ohio, especially from Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, the, the southern half of the state, is that most of the churches, most of the Southern Baptist churches were planted by people who came up from Tennessee and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So back, um, you know, back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, 
there were jobs. There was tons of manufacturing jobs in Ohio. So people left the hills of Kentucky and East Tennessee and moved their families to Dayton. And the first thing they did was, we need a Southern Baptist church. There aren't any. So they planted a bunch of these Southern Baptist churches. But the problem with that was they wanted to try to, to do church like it was done in the hills of East Tennessee and Eastern Kentucky, which was not the people that were native to Dayton, Ohio. So over time, and this is kind of where we've seen such a decline, is that the churches have not adjusted to the, the reality that they're in Ohio and that to reach people in Ohio, you have to understand and exegete your own culture which they did not do. They just uh, moved up here, had family members, and so, you know, built the church through, through that. So that's been one of the harder adjustments is helping people to, to think about our context. Um, but in terms of being lonely, um, you know, I've built some great relationships with people, and I don't personally feel lonely, but I do know that there are guys that do certainly feel lonely. I think one of the blessings, and there's blessings and curses of of every size of church, right? Or, or curse is probably not the right word, but struggles, challenges. One of the blessings of a larger size church is that you have staff. And so I have four other pastors on my staff that I have a great relationship with. So that certainly helps. But um, yeah, I can, I can easily understand how, how guys can feel isolated. And, and as one of the larger churches, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm great at this, but I, I try hard to connect with those guys and let them know that we're here. And if they need anything, I'm there to help them. Awesome. And, uh, and so in light of encouraging pastors and, and uh, you know, knowing that all across the Southern Baptist Convention, just as there are in Ohio, just as there is in uh, New Mexico, uh, that there are pastors on maybe cloud nine, things are going well as, as they are in Kettering. Uh, things are, are getting uh, far better here in yeah. Alamogordo, despite their pastor. And, uh, <laughs> and for sure, that's the case up in Mayhill. I mean, that knucklehead up there had this like foot and a half long beard. He was such a loser. Um, but, uh, but anyway, God, God is, uh, has blessed us in different, different ways. And, and as we have navigated things at our church, the debt load that Kyle has, and, and as you've shared yours, we also know there's plenty of pastors that are, that are barely hanging on. Yep. And, uh, and, and maybe ready to call it quits with just one more bad uh, business meeting or one more bad budget, whatever it might be, they're just kind of, they're, they're already done. And, uh, and so we realize that all across the SBC that that's what makes us up, you know, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. And so you've shared a little bit about there in, in Ohio. Uh, recently, uh, Jimmy Scroggins has uh, nominated you to be the vice president for the pastor's conference that will be in Nashville. So this is gonna be the one that you would be nominated in Orlando this coming June, but it would be for the one in Nashville, uh, your hometown, uh, where you are right now. And uh, so you've already uh, have a good lay of the land, but, but knowing what you know about the SBC, knowing what you know about the pastors all across the board, uh, why? why? Why would you want to be the, the vice president? You know, for the last uh, about three years, uh, we just finished up in the end of 2019, but from about 2016 through 2019, I had the opportunity to work for the executive committee in a part-time role as a cooperative program catalyst for the Midwest. And so I got to travel to South Dakota, to North Dakota, to Montana, to Kansas, to Indiana, to Michigan, all across the Midwest. And I got to meet pastors of all size churches, churches that were large, churches that were small, churches that were doing well, 
churches that were struggling, pastors who thought they were going to throw the towel, and all those things that you just mentioned. And, you know, my heart just went out to those guys. And I just felt an immediate kinship with every one of them. You know, just even though I may not be able to relate exactly to their church, I could relate to the burdens that they, that they had. We got to share stories with each other, uh, encourage one another. I got to celebrate wins with them when they would text me and say, man, I just had a great business meeting. And for some of us, I mean, that, that's, we may not think twice about that because maybe that happens every, every week in our church or every, every time we have a business meeting, it goes well. But I know there's guys that, man, they dread it. They stress over it. They don't know what's going to come up, if they're going to lose their job. And it's just a burden. And then there's guys that have large amounts of debt like I did. I got to talk to them about that. There's guys um, that have, you know, members of the church that are constantly antagonizing them. Got to talk about that. And so, you know, one of the greatest joys I've found as I've met these, these guys is that, that um, we're all in this together and that we are better together. And they were such an encouragement to me. You know, oftentimes the same thing with mission trips. A lot of times you go over somewhere and you think, man, I'm going to serve these people and I'm going to bring the gospel to Jesus to these people and, and I'm going to really bless them. And it always ends up being the other way around, right? I always come home humbled. God's spoken to me. Yeah. My heart's been revitalized. All the things I wanted for them, which hopefully they received also, but it's always happened in my life. And it's the same thing with meeting with these pastors. I go to encourage them and they end up encouraging me. And, uh, you know, I just love the concept of the fact that we are better together. When we lock arms as uh, pastors in ministry, as churches in ministry, we can do more and we can accomplish more for the Great Commission. And we need every one of these guys who are in these churches, big, small uh, to do what God has called them to do where they are uh, for the Great Commission, because we need each other. So I hope, you know, if, if, the, if the messengers or the, the pastors elect me, I, that's my goal is just to support the president and his vision for carrying that out, that maybe help with some of the logistics and knowledge of, of, the, of the city of Nashville, and then just to encourage pastors. I mean, I just want to see pastors strengthened in their families as husbands, as fathers, I want to see them strengthened in their churches, in their neighborhoods, in their communities. And, uh, you know, I think so is the health of the pastor goes the health of the church. You know, yeah. if you've got an unhealthy pastor, it's very likely your church is going to be struggling. And if your pastor is healthy, then there's a better case, better chance your church is going to be on the, up, the upswing. So yeah. that's really my heart for, for pastors. I just love being around them. Yeah, awesome. Well, well last year, I, I applaud you for accepting or for uh, agreeing to take on that nomination for the VP, despite um, the, the the announced presidential nominee. Yeah, at this not, point. So. I was really hoping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll encourage a fellow pastor here, unlike Kyle. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, as I've shared before, we've gotten to know each other a bit, and uh, and and I obviously have no idea uh, what is in store for. Uh, the presidency side or the vice presidency side, if, if there's going to be other nominations, whatever that may be. But if the Lord wills, it will be an absolute joy uh, to serve uh, with you. I know you know the lay of Nashville. I know we, we share that same heartbeat for fellow pastors and uh, in the trenches, as we like to say on the, on the podcast, but uh, really just across the board and, and uh, getting to know you over the last couple of months and, and year or so has been a blessing. And uh, we love the work that you're doing in Ohio, the work that you're doing for uh, Lifeway, of course, and uh, in a brief moment, uh, I don't know if through this trustee uh, stuff that y'all are doing, if you happen to be on the uh, CSB, 
uh, mini board. I don't know how it works the way y'all are doing it, but if, if you do tell them they're doing a great job because they have put together a phenomenal Bible that we both use in our devotions and our preaching ministries. And, uh, and it's a joy to have them as one of the sponsors of the pod. And uh, if you haven't, uh, if maybe you've lived under a rock uh, or, you know, you just, you just don't love Jesus enough and you don't know that the CSB exists, it's out there. And so check out csbible.com after the show and find one that is readable and accurate. Uh, the one that the Apostle Paul used himself. What, what's that? Aren't they all readable and accurate? <laughs> no, just the CSB. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> it's only one. Find one readable and accurate. Yeah, it's authorized. Um, it's the one Jesus used, John the Baptist. Written in Jordan. English. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yep. that's right. <laughs> well, so. well, Chad, before we close out, so I'm, I'm curious, in, in Nashville, um, that is somewhat of a Baptist mecca. There, there's a lot of stuff that happens there as well as, um, you know, center of the country music uh, world and all that. So uh, as we plan for 2021 in Nashville, what is your one thing that you have to do while you're in Nashville? You have to eat a pastor museum. You have to what? You have to eat hot chicken. Hot chicken. Okay. Yep. I um, um, just was over at uh, Hattie B's, which is right across from where I'm staying. And although Lifeway provides us great food, I went over there on my own dime (laughs) and got some hot chicken. All right. So you got to have some hot chicken. You got to go see uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame. Go somewhere. It's fantastic. Um, I also am a big fan of Johnny Cash. So there's a museum. So, I mean, I think one of our proposals, or at least maybe one of our resolutions should be that one of the days of the SBC, we all wear black. Yes, I, I, I will okay. make that resolution. Yeah, yeah. I, think should, <laughs> I think you should propose that. Kyle is a huge Florida Georgia Line fan. Is, isn't there like a Florida Georgia Line restaurant or something is, there? I would not have any that, idea. That is fake news. No, away from that. no the, the Cash Museum is top of my list totally. in there. So, totally. All right. Go get hot chicken and go to the Cash Museum. Okay. Hey, you'll have a great day. You do those two things. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chad, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, to those of you that listened in, uh, you can find out more about uh, Chad at, at uh, Chad75, oh, I believe Keck, it is. Keck75, K-E-C-K-75. Yeah, Keck, yeah, baby. Keck75 on Twitter. He's also on Facebook, I'm sure, but he'd love to connect with you and and encourage you in any way. Uh, that he can. Uh, and uh, we'll continue to pray for your work in Ohio and, uh, and of course, with uh, Nashville with Lifeway. But if you're tuning in, thank you. And uh, take some time to visit us on uh, the internet at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under our name or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. In the last couple of weeks, uh, Kyle, you have really struggled with I, this I part struggled. of the show. And uh, so there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever. Uh, we we happen to have the vice president uh, nominee. You're drinking from Midwestern uh, Baptist Steel. I, mean, yep, I cannot believe right. on this Southwestern sponsored podcast you would drink that in front of me. Listen, um, I, I'm I will gladly use a Southwestern mug as soon as I get one. Stop so. talking and send <laughs> us out. Until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. I'm so proud. I, I practiced a lot to get that one correct this time. <laughs> Chad, thanks, man. It was great having you on. Thanks, guys.